0: Welcome back, everyone, to another great edition. This is the holiday edition of Fun Belt Podcast because it is Memorial Day weekend. We're going to discuss later with, with our guests. I'm not going to reveal now, but we'll discuss with our guests the best Memorial Day war movies to watch. But right now, we're going to discuss something that's that's even more pertinent to the Sun Belt, and that's the Sunbelt Baseball Tournament, which is just in our time as we're recording now, has just concluded. Tibbs, who won that tournament?
1: Not Arkansas State. Well, no, no. Not ULM.
0: No, ULM wasn't there. Hey, how about, how about James Madison?
1: Uh, they got to be in the league first.
0: Oh, that's right. That's right. So maybe next year. Okay, go on.
1: Surprisingly, not Texas State.
0: Ooh. What, hey, what about Troy?
1: Not Troy. Troy was What's a semifinalist.
0: Oh, okay, yeah, Troy did well. Yeah. But it
1: was more importantly, your favorite team, the Louisiana Lafayette, Raging Cajuns.
0: No, my favorite team from South Alabama.
1: Oh, okay. Then somebody's favorite team, Louisiana Lafayette, Raging Cajuns. I did, want,
0: I did want the Cajuns to win, and I'll tell you why. And Shane, you may say, Jeremy, this is terrible logic. It's not going to work. And you can say that from the outside because you, because you can kind of look and see that sometimes Sunbelt logic isn't the best logic. So you being new to the Sunbelt, you could probably – sniff that out right away but I'm thinking because the Cajuns win that opens the door just slightly for a chance at four Sun Belt teams making the NCAA tournament am I crazy Shane
2: yes no I think I think that probably did it (laughs) um you know I think the question is at this point will there be six new Sun Belt teams or future Belt teams or however you want to put it because will a couple of those conference USA teams get in too. Like I think, you know, it could be huge, huge for uh Sunbelt baseball going forward this tournament.
0: We know Southern Miss is going in, right? We know that. Marshall's not getting in cuz they really blow at uh baseball at the moment. We don't think it's James Madison. So you're thinking maybe it's ODU, the most mysterious newbie in the Sunbelt? <laughs>
2: Yeah, I'm I'm going by, I think it was D1 baseball.com, one of their latest bracketologies. They had ODU as the last team in.
0: Mm. So
2: they're they're right there on the edge. They really could have used a win last night. Yeah, just didn't get it. But um yeah, I think they're and, right there. It could be it could be six of the 14 new Sunbelt teams, which is pretty incredible if you look at it that way. And um maybe only five. I I don't think it'll be just four, but um, yeah, it's – Sunbelt baseball is looking incredible right now.
0: Tibbs, you're thinking, no, no way in hell the Sunbelt gets four. You don't think that happens?
1: I don't. I, I think when Louisiana Lafayette won the conference tournament, I think that actually bumped out Coastal Carolina so that you're only going to see Texas State, Georgia Southern, and the Raging Cajuns in the postseason. I think it's a three bid. Still impressive that there's three teams in the postseason. Definitely.
0: Coastal getting punted out of the tournament by Troy was a bit of a surprise. Troy's always kind of been that kind of team, though. They're always that team that doesn't stick to the script, kind of ruins everything for everybody. Uh, Coastal Carolina may be on the outside looking in. We'll have to see. I put it, I, I, I kind of posed that, that that scenario on the Twitters, and it was met with a mixture of guffaws, and yeah, that could happen. So I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see on Monday. Uh, I forget exactly what time. I think it's close to prime time they have the selection show, but we will see for sure then.
1: I think the more interesting thing is to see, do we have two Sunbelt teams hosting? We already know that Georgia Southern is going to be a host, but can Texas State, even though they lost in the semifinals, can they still host?
0: That's a good question. And here's another question I, I have to ask. At the beginning of the season, Tibbs, when we're just starting with baseball, when we're kind of sifting through the data, did we even think Georgia Southern was going to be a contender, let alone now we're talking about them hosting?
1: No, even when I went to go see them live and in person, they were a good team, no doubt. But there was just nothing special about them. They just did fundamental baseball. They did the little things that they had to do to get wins. But there was definitely nothing that projected them to be a top 10 team or to be in this situation of making a lot of noise in the NCAA regional.
0: Do we worry about Georgia Southern after their performance in this game today, where they're up five to zero, look like they were cruising Tibbs, look like they're just on their way to a Sunbelt championship, an unlikely Sunbelt championship, mind you, because we all believe, or well, we didn't think we didn't foresee, we didn't have the sagacity to, to see it from the beginning that, Georgia Southern was going to have this great baseball team. Should we be worried, though, that they gave up the lead, the five-run lead, then gave up the one-run lead in the ninth inning to end up falling to the Cajuns? Should we be worried about that for for, for Georgia Southern? Does that tell us that there's something wrong with Georgia Southern?
1: I don't think it's anything wrong. I think that they coasted assuming that they had already won the game before they actually won the game. And I think that this is hopefully a lesson learned and that they keep the pedal down – all nine innings, maybe even all 10 innings, whenever they're in the NCAA regionals to ensure that they come away with victories.
2: Mm. I think you also kind of got to look at if they are hosting the atmosphere there, that's going to be something that can kind of carry them through things a little bit. You know, you, you get a different response when somebody gets a couple runs back from you when you got your home crowd there than when you're on a neutral site, like they were this weekend, which I, I have to think, covering some other regionals previously, that home crowd can make a huge difference.
0: Mm, Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think Georgia Southern, I think that they have a pretty zesty fan base for baseball this year. Just just sort of checking in on them every now and then. They're they're really behind that baseball team. And I, I suspect, and I could be wrong about this, that they're just as surprised and probably really delighted with their Eagles baseball team especially considering how hard it was in the football season, how they have a, their team just did not meet that, that, that Eagles' expectations. Now they have a baseball team that they, the fans can rally behind. They've got a winner. Congratulations to the Eagles. Also, congratulations, though, to the Cajuns, who all year kind of I, I, – it's fair to say they struggled, Tibbs. The, 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 there seemed like early in the season they weren't quite the, the, the Cajuns – but then they really seemed to sort of snowball at the end of the season.
1: They were peak and Valley. You remember they opened up with a two of three win series against UC Irvine. And so we were like, okay, maybe this team's pretty good. Yeah. And then they would lose a mid-game, midweek game to somebody that they had no business losing to. And you're like, okay, maybe that was just a fluke. And then they would go out and beat somebody else that they weren't supposed to hang with. And you're back on, on the mountain there with them. So does it surprise me that they won the conference tournament? Not at all. Would it have surprised me if they would have went one and done? Not at all.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, to me, the Cajuns are just one of those almost professional ball players in the Sun Belt in that uh, just like Coastal Carolina, they have this great history for baseball, and they're always going to figure it out at some point in the season. And Coastal seem to have the same trajectory, Tibbs, they struggled at the beginning of the season and suddenly they seem to get it all together at the end. Uh, I know you don't think Coastal ends up making it. I, Shane, you were looking at the baseball America or whatever metrics. Where did they have Coastal Carolina?
2: I will have to try to look that back up. I don't remember. Dang I know Shane. They had, I believe they had four in. So like, I got to see where they were. Let me look it up. Hmm. All right. While, while
1: he looks that up, a cool okay. thing that Louisiana Lafayette's uh, Twitter account posted. All right. The final out of the Cajuns' 36th win of the season came at 436. And for those not in the know, 36 the number of the late great Tony Robichaud, their head coach that unfortunately passed in the offseason. Wow. Tell me that doesn't give you goosebumps.
0: Yes, I have got goosebumps. That is an incredible coincidence. It just so happened in the fall for the Cajuns. Congratulations to the Cajuns. I know that probably hurts you a little in the inside, Tibbs. You being a citizen of ULM, seeing the success of the Cajuns as once again, they have this great tournament. Although you got to admit, ULM didn't have that bad a tournament. Got through that elimination game.
1: Got the- through the elimination game. Was able to have a brief lead there with Texas State until just huh? kind of late errors and and issues came about and, uh, you know, kept the Warhawks from from trying to pull off that upset. Am am I jealous of what Louisiana Lafayette's done? No, not at all. I I think it brings a lot of attention to the Sun Belt as a whole, and I think it really helps to further the league as a whole.
0: Shane, have you got the new data?
1: Yes. So so it's Uh D1Baseball.com,
2: and they had Coastal go into North Carolina as a three seed. All right. So, okay. I mean, I think this was from last night. There's been some other teams yeah. probably steal some bids here recently, but they're pretty high on all four Sunbelt teams, really, like going in as far as that large stuff goes. I, like their note at the beginning of the article was if Louisiana Lafayette wins today, that makes four Sunbelt teams. Was wow. kind of, you know, what they were going with. Tim, you're kind of the historian here.
0: You, you kind of, your memory seems to go way back. Have we ever had four teams in the NCAA tournament?
1: No, the most I can remember is ever having two.
0: A couple of years ago, I remember for writing for Underdog Dynasty talking about Sunbelt baseball. And I was excited for the prospect of maybe two teams getting into the NCAA tournament. I was looking at the numbers, it looked like two teams could get in. I think they ended up getting two teams, but that was like a big deal. Now we're talking about four and then two newbies coming in. Also, so it's kind of like it would be like having six get in, and that would be just incredible, which makes everybody from JMU to ULM to Arkansas State have to try that much harder, put that much more resources into it, put that much more effort into it to keep up with these teams. Because yes, I would love to be part of the Sun Belt baseball story, and I would hate for our teams to be left out of that. But by the way, Shane, uh, I've been—I'm re- reading a new biography. You know what it is?
2: Oh yes, I saw that.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're reading about uh the little James Madison. <laughs> yeah, and I'm so far a little disappointed to see that he's never touched a football in his life.
2: Yeah, I. I don't know what position he would have played. What was he like? Five four, something like that. He
0: was was a diminutive man with big ideas, sure. But you know, it's just like uh, I was just a little, little, like a little bit of almost like buyer's remorse on JMU that James Madison isn't founded off a guy who could you know at least hit a three pointer. But I don't think he had that like that game either.
2: Yeah, I don't know what games he would have been. uh playing a lot of it was uh, a
0: <laughs> you know a what, bit, he seems, he seems like a bumper pool guy to me
2: maybe you know I've been I've been to his house yeah not too far away from here there wasn't a basketball goal in the driveway or anything like what? that I don't know yeah I don't know what to think of that guy like <laughs> but
0: uh you know maybe he played highline or uh yeah. Or bocce ball? I I don't know. I I don't know what maybe James... You know, it was kind of funny. I'm reading this biography, which is like one of the premier biographies of James Madison. It just says, it just blatantly says, we don't know anything about his childhood. So he could have been an All-American Heisman Trophy winner. Yeah, he he could have been like a great baseball player. We'd never know. Except, you know the invention of baseball sort of came after his death. But other than that. Details.
1: Details. Yeah.
0: yeah. He could have been a fine athlete. We know George Washington was a good athlete. He was known to be a good athlete. I don't know if James Madison. All right, And before we talk a little bit more about baseball, Tibbs, I know I'm all over the place.
1: No, not you.
0: (laughs) I need like an agenda. If only somebody every week. Took the time to put together an agenda for us.
1: It would be the craziest damn thing ever.
0: <laughs> Memorial Day. A lot of barbecue goes on. You know, a lot of people get together, they'll have a have a beer, they have barbecue. What is the best thing to barbecue on Memorial Day? Or grill. Let's not say barbecue. That's that that makes it that's a little too specific. What's the best thing to grill on Memorial Day?
1: How how can you not love? grilling some form of dead cow whether it be steaks brisket it's the best in fact I'm, I'm ready to go to dinner now but you know I am committed to the show and, and and since we still have a guest to to bring on yep. we mm-hmm. still have more to talk about I just have to sit here and and think in the back of my mind about brisket and steaks
2: yeah throwing if we're just grilling throwing a steak no. on the grill sounds like the best idea to me I don't know. We, given our different guys, given the (laughs) geography of everyone here, uh, we probably don't want to get into a barbecue discussion because it might, that might have to be its own episode, like before we really get deep dive into barbecue. So,
0: Kate, I am accusing you and Thibodeau both of being East Coast elites for suggesting steak on Memorial Day when it should be hot dogs and hamburgers. That
2: is the right answer right. for Memorial. Depends on Good if you're old having man. a big party, you're not throwing steaks on for everybody. You just That's got the true. family around. Uh, uh, I'll spend a little bit more money on some steaks if it's just me and my my kids and my family. But
0: wouldn't if, that be a cool you know, move though? Party. Can't wouldn't be, you know, be. Wouldn't that be a cool move though? If like you had like a party, like you had thirty people over, and you know, you bring out the tray of meat and everybody's like, oh, here comes the hamburgers. And it's actually filet, filet mignon. And you're just like, oh yeah, I just I just happen to have these hanging out. Yeah, these $40 cuts of meat.
2: Wouldn't that be great? We're getting way off topic here, but I'm not even caught up on this show, but I was watching a little bit of uh, that, um, what's it called? We Own This City on HBO about the Baltimore cops and everything. And like one of the ways they found out or kind of like dawned on them that the cops were dirty was because they were like grilling steaks and lobster and stuff at their parties <laughs> so, <laughs> so that just popped into my head when you're talking about that so yeah well, that was almost like that that was almost a scene like there's the guy brought out the cooler with the steaks and the lobster and everything when the other guys were doing
0: fun belt podcast will never be busted for any type of, of, of uh, uh, fraud in any way, because you won't see us grilling steaks.
1: No, or, no it's that dollar but, store, whatever it is that says
0: meat. <laughs> uh, Tibbs, we do we sp- have anything else to discuss before we, we get our, our guests in?
1: No, bring him on.
0: Timidow, you know who we have in our green room?
1: There's no telling because, like I said, you don't lock the door, and that's how we un- wound up with you. Yeah.
0: Here's how we get people in the green We put a, in a wedge of cheese. We leave the door open, and whoever comes in for the cheese has to be a guest on our show.
1: And Wasn't that a cartoon took, where there was a box also and a stick that you had to pull it?
0: No, 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 no. We, we don't even need that. We just need the cheese. And guess who took the cheese today?
1: There's, on
0: Memorial Day.
1: There is no telling.
0: It's Scott Watkins. He is a reporter who covers Southern Miss. And as you know, we've been trying to get to know some of the newbies for the Sun Belt for a little bit. You know, Shane has done a good job keeping us up with with, with, uh, with James Madison.
1: And Old Dominion.
0: He's been our only Old Dominion source. You know, we've talked a little bit to the guys from Marshall. Those guys are great. Now we've got Scott here who will give us an inside scoop of Southern Miss. Who happens to, Southern Miss happens to be one of college baseball's best teams right now. And we're you know gonna hear I, a little bit about that. Scott, can you tell us a little bit about Southern Miss Baseball?
3: I guess this is a, a good uh, segue. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, they, uh, for a time there in April, they look like the very best team in baseball. They won like 15 straight games, uh, they have not had the best May. They've not had the best made. They've fallen apart a little bit. Didn't have a great tournament, Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, their body of work right now, throughout the entire season, they took down a lot of good teams, and they played a conference USA schedule that was really good. So it looks like they might end up with a, you know, just inside the uh, top sixteen, or really just outside the top eight. I think that D one baseball has a number ten, but yeah, they're they're looking good. They look like they might host them. I think that it's a good thing that Louisiana won today because that means more more Belt representation as well in this year's tournament. So,
0: so Conference USA has had a pretty good uh, college baseball season this year, including ODU, which we hadn't really paid attention to in baseball until I started looking at the standings and saw they finished this regular season in third place. Is it How many people from CUSA do you think we'll see in the tournament?
3: Uh, we'll see, of course, Southern Miss. We'll see Old Dominion. Uh, we'll see Louisiana Tech. Might see UTSA. That's that's kind of a bubble thing, but uh, at least three for sure. So, one of the things we were talking about
0: early earlier before you uh, came in, we we're talking about how some of the best teams in baseball that they normally don't win their or they don't always win their conference tournament, they seem to be kind of just sort of of. Uh, getting themselves organized for the NCAA tournament. Do you feel like maybe that was the case for Southern Miss?
3: I don't want to think so, you know, Um, (laughs) but nobody wants, nobody wants to take with that kind of attitude. You know, I think going into the tournament Southern Miss was squarely on the bubble of hosting and they very much wanted to host. So I think, uh, you know, they won two games in there and that's, that's good. You know, I think, As you mentioned, it's hard to win the conference tournament in baseball just like it is in basketball. I don't think you can knock teams too much for losing out early in their conference tournaments, really, uh, because you've got 30 games that you played in conference that I think mean a lot more. It's just once they got to the the elimination games, the ball bounced a different way. So, uh, yeah, I I think that the committee is going to look at what they did in April and May when it comes to hosting.
1: So do you think that's across the board, not just a Conference USA thing, that that what you do in regular season is a lot bigger, better than what you do in the tournament? I mean, the tournament can definitely make your season. If you're, say, like a ULM in in, in the Sun Belt, they were a 10 seed coming in. They run the table. Obviously, they get that automatic bid. But do you feel that that the tournament can't necessarily hurt you? It can only help you?
3: For certain teams. For certain teams, you know. It's, it's all about context. It's all about context. I think if you looked up at like a team like Arkansas, falling apart all through May. They, they lost a lot of games. Only wins came against like Illinois-Chicago and didn't have a good tournament. And they're probably not going to host a regional for the first time in like forever. But that's that's their own context. The thing with Southern Miss is they have won games here in May. It's been a bumpy May. It, they've struggled. They had a patch there, but they recovered before the uh, end of the regular season. Uh, won some games I think they swept middle Tennessee who was top 60 RPI at the time and so I think the context there is that for Southern Miss you you went one you went two in the tournament and the committee is going to look at you favorably Uh, whereas if you you were out of there you know day one that would hurt you You I think the context is important because for some teams like you said uh you you need to run the table you need to do well the conference tournament is all you have really when it comes to the, the selection committee
2: how much does a selection committee when they're looking at conference tournament versus, versus regular season, how much do they kind of just look at like how you decide to use your pitching staff? Like, does, is there some common sense involved in that? I mean, cause obviously you show what your pitching staff is capable in those weekend series. And then you might not use them the same way in a conference tournament, depending on what's on the line for you. Do you think there's common sense with that when it comes to the selection committee?
3: I would hope so. <laughs> you know, I'm not <laughs> in that room. I would, I would sure hope so. Cause uh, you know that was that was Southern Miss's strength going into the conference tournaments. They were a lot better in the bullpen and in the rotation than they were last year. Even though they had a couple All-Americans last year, they somehow got better. They had last year they had one bullpen guy that was good. That was it. This year they got four or five, and they just got rocked against UTSA. And that's not something that happens that happened at all really during the regular season. So I think they would have some common sense. You know, there's the scheduling of course is tightened. You've got to play two games in, in one day. you got to play three games in, in 40 hours. You know, I, I think all that is going to be taken into account. But at the same time, the team you're playing, they got to do the same thing. So at, at all angles, I think the committee is going to understand what, what teams have, uh, the arms that they have. They'll, they'll look at how those arms did, both in the tournament and in the regular season. But I still think what they did in, in late February or in March and April, and in, in early May, that that's going to be most important.
1: So we all know that there were some definitely hard feelings there between Southern Miss, Conference USA for the football aspect, maybe even a little bit on the basketball side. Do you feel that that kind of trickled over into baseball as well?
3: I don't know about hard feelings, but I can tell you that Southern Miss fans on sites were very, very pro-Old Dominion the entire tournament. They, there's a group of people in right field. They sit up in this thing they call the treehouse. And uh, they have a horn. I always thought the horn belonged to Southern Miss whenever they hit a home run. The horn belongs to a group of fans. It's a train horn, just like Georgia State has when they score touchdowns. And they blow that horn for home runs and for walk-off hits. And when Old Dominion beat Louisiana Tech uh, in the uh, semifinal round to force uh, a game two, they blew that horn for Old Dominion, which has never happened for anybody else. So, I don't know if there are hard feelings against Southern Miss, but I know that the Southern Miss are very happy. And they're very happy that they and Old Dominion are getting out of it. All yeah. right.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that's what I like. You know, that that's why I like to hear Dusty. Some I like, love. That's right. Now, and we are we getting the same energy from, from James Madison, Shane?
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, yes, we talked about a little bit last week how it'll be interesting to see, like, how JMU and ODU worked so hard to get in together. We're kind of step-by-step step through the whole process of realignment in it together. And then, you know, they'll go back to hating each other here pretty soon. Like, you know, I mean, I don't know, it's July 1st when you kind of flip the switch and like it's all official and then, then they can go back to actually being real rivals and everything. Cause it's like there's no love lost really in the history of those two schools. And then they somehow put that aside to get to the same conference here. So that's kind of an interesting aspect that I've, I'm willing to waiting to see just you know how how intense when does, when does the game honeymoon end
3: when does the honeymoon between the sunbelt and the new sunbelt end that's the question oh
0: yeah i would think you know what to, to me it, it always start uh, the, end, the 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 end will probably be the moment when sunbelt has to play sunbelt in conference play you know that's when, when when things start getting a little bit angry i usually the first week of the season I, I'm all pro anybody, you know what, I want, I want everybody in the Sun Belt to win their games, but as soon as it starts getting down to the nitty-gritty. So, one of the questions we've had, Scott, is what the hell's going on with ODU, we just haven't heard from them much. Uh, do, you, uh, do you have a, a sort of scouting report on ODU
3: football, for instance? ODU football, no. I've, I've kind of taken this like one sport at a time because it's, there's just so much heading my way. And uh, you know, I think most people know this. I'm, I'm fairly new at, on the professional beat, you know, started in November. So it's really been like basketball was first and then baseball. And mm-hmm. then here in like a couple of weeks, uh, all my attention will go to Sunbelt football, but um you no, know, I, I have no idea what's going on on the Ultimate Dominion front. And I would agree they're They're kind of quiet. Like, I see, yes. stuff from James, I see stuff from James Madison all the time, all the time. Yes. I never, I never hear from Old Dominion. I hear from Old Dominion baseball, of course, but football, I, <laughs> nothing, absolutely nothing.
1: They're the unicorn of the Sun Belt. Do they exist? <laughs> they, I will they say might. this.
3: I'll say this on Friday, September 2nd, I think I will be the biggest Old Dominion fan I've, I've ever been in my entire life when they play Virginia Tech at home.
1: I think we all will be absolutely I might even go to Burger King and get a crown
3: <laughs> Wait a
0: second why why this hatred for Virginia Tech, why Virginia Tech? I love Virginia Tech we love the
3: sunbell big Sunbell guy got the
0: Oh, okay support. all right
1: yeah J- Jeremy he, he he tries to play it off like he's new to all this he's an old South Alabama guy so he knows the <laughs> Oh Troy, my bad, my bad. I knew, I knew it was a lower Alabama.
0: Let's talk a little bit about Southern Miss then. Let's talk about a little bit Southern Miss football. Have you you even begun to think about Southern Miss football yet?
3: Well, yeah, because I had to cover spring. I had to cover spring football, and uh, they had a good transfer class. So people are excited, and this is the second year of football. Football is all year round, really. So uh, you know, when it comes to my own beat, of course, yeah, I, I I know what's going on. They're, uh, they'll be better. How much better I don't know, but they will be better. I mean, it's, it's it it doesn't take much to go from the bottom up, so they will be better. <laughs> is that how is that kind of feeling
0: uh, for Southern Miss football right now? That they're at the bottom, they pit my uh, the ball, and now especially it's not
3: much- for Southern Miss fans. Especially not for Southern Miss fans because they did go 0 and 12 in like the last decade at some point. So certainly not the bottom. They went 3 and 9 last year, but uh, it's more in reference to how the offensive line played. And every single metric you can grade the offensive line, they were dead last in the conference or in the country. I'm sorry, in the entire country last year. And so, from the off from the offensive standpoint, you really are starting from the very bottom. Uh, they, in order to win any FBS games last year, they had to put Frank Gore Jr. at quarterback for two games, and that's the only reason they won the last two games. Yeah.
1: So, you, you talk about the the on the field product there. When fans go to Hattiesburg, what can they expect to see at the Rock?
3: uh well i have seen nothing yet personally so <laughs> i couldn't tell you i couldn't tell you i tell you what uh this team they love their coach and that's all that really matters you know you uh you can tell when you've got a coach that uh the players rally behind sometimes that's a good thing sometimes that's a bad thing that's that's yet to be seen here in this situation but uh, i think you're going to see you know a team that is willing to fight and that's something that you saw end the last year that's uh, that's not cliche. I'm not trying to throw you the coach speak. I'm not trying to throw you, you know, the, the basic stuff that you hear anywhere. That's all based on the last two games. I mean, you got a team that was one and eight, I believe. Their season was over. They have nothing to play for. Uh, Will Hall could easily put in the youngest players on the roster, give them some playing time. They came up with an entirely new formation in an effort to win ball games, and it worked. That tells me that this team and this coaching staff, they're willing to get creative and they're willing to fight, even when there's nothing to fight for. So that's what I have to tell you about the Southern Miss
1: football program right now. So you said you did get to watch some basketball this past year. Not a good year on the hardwood there for the Eagles. What's it going to take for this team to really kind of right the ship there? As I mean, they they played some Sunbelt schools. They played Louisiana Lafayette. They played South Alabama not even really competitive in those games. What do you feel is it going to take for them to kind of flip the switch?
3: Uh, A while back, I can't remember who it was, but I uh, I said, oh, it was Troy's defense coordinator. It was after his first year, Brandon Hall. I said that he needed to be let go. I said he needed to be let go. And after that, about a year later, I told myself I would never tell. I would never make that. I would never do that again. I would never call for anybody's job again. But – in all honesty, if Southern Miss basketball is going to get better, they're not going to do it under their current coach. And it's such a tough thing to say because he's he's Southern Miss through and through. As far as a person goes, he's the most likable guy on campus. Uh, he, he coached the three worst seasons in Southern Miss basketball history, and it's a shocker that he was brought on for year number four. Um, they're going to have to move forward without him. That's the only thing. They went 7-26 last year. They've gotten worse every year under him, under Coach Ladner. I, I don't want to call for anybody's job, but they're not getting any better under Ladner. They're not bringing fans to the arena. Uh, they're not being—they're not competitive, as you said. And it, there's there's no hope. There are no signs that anything is improving. So I'm I'm surprised that he's getting his fourth year of his contract.
1: Wow, that 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 gives me just—I'm going to shed a tear. <laughs> um, I mean, I mean, do you, do you think that there's any positives that whenever they come into the Sun Belt that they'll maybe have a little bit of a, a rally, having not been uh, exposed fully to this conference schedule before?
3: That's why I, that's part of the reason why i was so surprised they didn't move forward because this is the opportune time. I mean, I I can't see why you want to go into a new conference and a new league schedule <laughs> with a coach that you have yeah, that, was, that was somebody else's dog that we're watching sorry about that. We um I can't see why <laughs> I can't see why you move forward with this coach after three terrible years and and coach the first year in the Sun Belt with this guy. Uh, I don't think I don't think it's going to mean much. I, there's no secret it's not it's not a secret that the Sun Belt conference basketball schedule is a little bit lighter than the conference USA one. No no secret there. But I don't think it really matters much cuz as you said they played the South Alabama, they played Louisiana. And it just – they're not there. They're not competitive. They're not, they're not at the level where they can compete even at the slightest uh, Division one level,
1: really. Do you feel that like maybe the future head coach is already on staff, though, of uh, someone like Clarence Witherspoon or someone like that, or do you feel that it's going to be a complete overhaul of the program?
3: I think you go to someone on staff when you when you're a good team. I feel like if you're winning 20 games, you know, you stick with somebody. If you're winning seven games a year, you won nine games, eight games, seven. How would you move to somebody who's a part of that?
0: That's a good point. Yeah. You kind of want to clean house when you, when it's time to clean house. And moving in, 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 uh, in program wouldn't be the right move. I think there are a lot of uh, Sunbelt programs that are probably thinking the same way you're thinking. Why did we go ahead and, and extend our coach? <laughs> I know Arkansas State has had a little bit of that just recently. So let me ask you this, Watkins. Let me just go, go ahead and just switch this totally out of the realm. It's Memorial Day weekend. You know, we've all been like having our, our beers and our barbecue. But what, a tradition at my house is to watch old World War II movies. What is your favorite uh, World War II movie
3: for Memorial Day? World War II? Does it have to be specifically World War II? It doesn't have to be World War II. Because that movie that came out a couple years ago, 1917, that's one of my favorite war movies ever. And that's World War One. That's World War I, war, yeah. That, that may be cliche. I don't know if 1917 is like too mainstream. I don't know. But that's that's easily like one of my very favorites. Shane, I need you to weigh
0: in on this. He, 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 Scott started off with a really good movie. Can you top that?
2: I'm kind of a child of the 80s and early 90s when okay. all the Vietnam movies were coming out so uh-huh. that's kind of where my mind goes first maybe something like a uh, platoon or uh-huh. Uh-huh. I don't know like Great. Great. I, I started with platoon that that one like okay yeah full metal jacket that that's another one
0: so you're not looking for uplifting world war movies like uh no. well neither one of you have So Tibbs, come on, rescue this. Do something. Give me give me the ultimate Memorial Day war movie.
1: How can you go wrong not watching the Joker in full metal jacket? (laughs) That is the epic ultimate Memorial Day movie.
0: See, all of you guys are well.
2: Oh, I've got a newer one. I got. I've got a okay. Inglorious Bastards. That's that's one. That that's okay. All right.
0: That's a lot of fun. Yeah. I'm telling you. Before there was Inglorious Bastards, there's another movie out there that was just as fun.
1: Are you going to say like Tropic Tropic Thunder?
0: No. (laughs) Kelly's Heroes. You ever seen this movie? It's got Don Rickles. It's got Donald Sutherland. It's got Telly Savalas.
1: Did you have to watch it on a projector?
0: No. Kelly, hey, Watkins, have you ever watched Kelly's Heroes? No. Shane, have you ever watched Kelly's Heroes?
2: I don't think I've seen it.
0: Thibodeau, have you seen Kelly's Heroes? Uh, no. Oh, Jesus Christ. All right, I need all of you guys to, like, go on to, like, uh, I don't know, HBO Max. They have all the TCM movies. Go find Kelly's Heroes. That's your homework assignment tonight. For Memorial Day, watch Kelly's Heroes. It's a war movie, but it's also a gold heist. So you should check it out. It's really good. Scott Watkins, thanks for joining us on the show, having a little uh, rum and coke with us. And uh, we will see you later, especially when football season comes and we need your penetrating insight.
3: Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me.
1: So a normal all over the place interview there with another guest there of Scott Watkins talking about Southern mist Jeremy left us too, Shane, so it's just the two of us hanging out here for the last segment of the show. What do you think there of Southern Miss? Do you you feel that they can kind of right the ship and and kind of represent the Sun Belt once they kind of get in and establish in the league?
2: I think so. I mean, it's just, I look at them, I look at, you know, Jeremy just left us, but Arkansas State, like, these programs that have proved it over history that they have what it takes to win in football, like, I feel like they're going to get back. It's just a matter of, I don't know if we're going to see any dynasties in the Sun Belt because everybody is putting in the investment to try to win right now. And there's so many good programs. Like, I don't see, I don't see Southern Miss staying down like they are. There's just, there's too much, there's too much history. There's too much of a fan base. There's too much of people who want to see that program win for the, not to turn it around eventually.
1: I think with the new NCAA rule also where you can oversign the 25 to try to get your scholarship numbers back up or your roster numbers back up, I think that's going to be where you see a lot of these teams that have been down really right the ship. Because as it stood before, when you were limited to 25, you were never going to get caught up on on players to to get your roster uh, filled back up with talent. Now you actually have a fighting chance to get – that depth going, get the guys that you need to actually be competitive.
2: I mean, especially when, you know, you can do it through transfers now too, like as opposed to you've seen programs go through the cycle where they're trying to build, they're bringing in some good recruits, they're freshmen, they're not going to contribute for two years. And then the coach gets fired and you're starting all over again. Um, You maybe don't see that as much going forward because like you said, you can oversign more than 25 and you can bring in guys that can play right away. Um, the, the turnaround should be quicker for a lot of programs.
1: I'm definitely looking forward to see where when this preseason all Sunbelt team or Sunbelt rankings comes out, kind of how the, the new guys shake out. Obviously, you would think that someone like a Marshall is going to be in the mix of things right away, although I know that they they had some guys leave but I'm just anxious to see where do these new teams kind of fit in at not knowing exactly. Are they ready for this jump? You know, is James Madison truly ready for this jump is old dominion, you know, as, as much as we joke of, of them being kind of the unicorn of, of not knowing anything about them. What do we really know about them and, and are they really ready to compete in FBS and one of the, the high end G five leagues?
2: Yeah. I mean, just from a Jamie point of view, I think they're ready to compete. They're going to be competitive, whether or not they're going to win a lot of games in the first year kind of remains to be seen. There's some question marks, you know, they've got a new quarterback, uh, Colorado state transfer, you know, Todd Santeo, just how does he fit in? Like he's a guy who has made some big plays in his career. He also throws a lot of interceptions. Does he improve on that? And, you know, kind of carry this offense. It's, there's some question marks for JMU, but there's also talent, there's depth. And like we said, They're not they're making this jump ready to go from day one as far as like having a full roster, an FBS size roster. Like a lot of teams that have made the transition, it took two years. But like like we were talking about before with being able to oversign, being able to bring in transfers, plus they had the COVID year last year where they could have extra guys. They were ready. That that was just sort of like a bit of, you know, if there was any silver lining to COVID, that was one thing for JMU. Was they already had more than the FCS limit. So I think they're ready to compete. Whether they're ready to win a lot of close games, that remains to be seen.
1: I think that the conference as a whole, also, they they wrapped up their spring meetings this past week as well. They're definitely committed to having the the league continue to grow and and shine. To me, one of the big things, obviously, they committed to keeping east-west divisions in football, something that we had talked about previously was huge because that was the big reason that you expanded and got the teams that you wanted for the Sunbelt conference. If the, if there were no divisions, I really don't think Marshall's coming in. I don't know about old Dominion, James Madison. I don't know if they're making that jump to the Sunbelt, if there's no divisions. So it was good to see that they're keeping the East West and, and we'll still have true divisional champions to battle out in a conference championship game.
2: Yeah. And I think that was the right move. And you know, I could see a scenario where someday depending on how the next few years play out, as far as, you know, how good the Sunbelt gets, what the playoff looks like, things like that. Maybe there's a scenario someday down the line where you just take the top two ranked teams and put them in a the championship game. But I feel like you've got to keep the division structure for the scheduling at the very least. And if you do, then it almost seems better to have the division champions play each other. But like I said, I mean, I think the scheduling aspect of it has to stay, you know, for the foreseeable future for the Sunbelt, because like you said, that's a lot of the reason teams chose the Sunbelt over other options when, during this whole realignment.
1: When we talked with Scott, we mentioned basketball as well. That was another topic that was brought up in the spring meetings. You know, the, the ADs really made a commitment to, to improve the scheduling improving basketball on the men's and women's basketball side, because right now, Everyone just wants the easy wins. They don't necessarily want those tough games that you may or may not win. They just want to kind of pad the stats, pad the attendance, and and play the middle of nowhere states in order to, you know, help the bottom line. But that doesn't really help the conference as a whole when you're trying to get that at large bid, or even when you're winning the conference tournament there in Pensacola, that you're automatically going to be a 16 seed, or you're going to Dayton for the play in the first four, as opposed to the conference having a strong enough net ranking that, you know, you're getting a, a, a 12, an 11, a 10 seed to, to really give yourself a fighting chance.
2: This is something I'm hoping to write about here in the next week or 2 I've been trying to talk to some of the coaches and everything around the league is, you know, when you look at it, football is not a great place. We, we, were, we were talking about it. It's, you know, maybe six of these 14 new teams – in the baseball tournament. We've seen multiple bids in softball. Men's soccer is going to be one of the best two or three leagues. Why can't you get why can't we start talking about what it takes to get two, maybe three basketball teams into the tournament, let alone like, yeah, not being a 16 seed. Like if you can do it in all these other sports, how important is it to do it in basketball where there's actually money on the line? Like, you know, you're talking about millions of dollars if you can get if you look at the Mountain West, this past NCA tournament, they had four teams in, didn't win a game in the tournament, they're still gonna get two million dollars out of that. Like it, it's a huge deal if you can get that second team. It's a even bigger team, be bigger deal if you get the third team, which that's down the line before you even really start talking about that. But if you can do it in other sports, why can't you do it in men's and women's basketball if you're the Sun Belt?
1: And and you know, that's really a big reason why I've always been a, a, a bigger fan of the NIT and the C-level tournaments is because it's, it's matchups that you actually care about and and that you have a fighting chance to actually pull off that win. You're not uh, going in as the 16 seed playing number one Duke while it's exciting that you get to play coach K in his final game or, you know, whatever, who cares if, if you're just going to get absolutely curb stomped, I would much rather go to those lower level C-level tournaments and you're playing surely a, you know, same Houston state or, or someone like that. But at least it has a regional interest and, and you have a good chance to win the game.
2: Yeah, and you froze up on me a little bit here before, so I missed part of that. But yeah, like you said, winning games is the huge thing for the Sun Belt right now is, yeah, you're not going to turn things around unless you start winning games. That's, that's kind of where it all begins. And you know, playing teams you can beat, playing them at home, it's all going to be part of the the process of, you know building the basketball league up where everything else is
1: exciting news and, and kind of timely there in the 80 spring meetings as well we're going to see more baseball more softball on the espn plus platform moving forward it won't be just the conference schedule it'll also be some non-conference games as well as uh, all of the the sunbelt uh, softball games rather whereas before we only saw maybe one game a week we should be able to see at least one series a week out of that. So exciting times there with the ESPN partnership.
2: Yeah. And maybe that's part of the reason you're seeing, we're having the discussion. We are about how many teams get into the NCAA tournament when it comes to baseball is just exposure helps. I mean, sometimes, sometimes, you know, just whether or not you've seen a team on your screen makes a difference. Like if you're on that selection committee and, um more games available for people to watch can only help your your league just as far as you know exposure and you know your reputation you know jmu coming out of the caa nobody sees those games those teams could be just as good as anybody else but nobody sees them play and it's kind of like you know tree falling in the forest you know did it happen
1: so another great episode there shane so time for plugs promos parting shots what do you have uh,
2: I'll just again plug uh, DNROnline.com where you can, read, uh, you can read a lot about JMU, but there's going to be more Sunbelt content coming that uh, should be interesting for pretty much all fans of the entire conference uh, as, as this transition continues.
1: My parting shot the shot heard around the world where Tommy Fan smacked Jock <laughs> Peterson over a fantasy football. We've all been there. We've all wanted to do it, but come on, dude. Why are you going to do it, especially in the limelight of being an MLB where you know there's cameras all around you and everything else? He's just yeah. an idiot. What else uh, can I going to say?
2: How long must have that been stewing in his mind for him to, like, yeah, do that, like you said, in front of the whole world when you, know, you could go to the clubhouse and talk to him about it? I mean, you could do it during batting practice, you could do it in the offseason, you could do it yeah. whenever. Yeah, and it's, it's uh, one of those things. But, hey, people are talking about uh, Major League Baseball, so maybe it was actually a good thing.
1: Always. It's always a good thing, you know, when I guess you can get some kind of press off of it. Yeah. So for Shane of the Daily News Record, I'm Dusty Thibodeau, Warlock Report. Jeremy Harper of Howraiser.com was with us, and we look forward to talking next week where we will have the unicorn, finally, the monarchist, from Old Dominion will be joining us to talk about Old Dominion.